Today on The Overthinkers, we discuss the most philosophical of all philosophy questions. What is the meaning of life? Get ready. This is going to be a fun one. Hello, thinking people, thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, moody optimist. And with me, as always, is my contagiously contemplative co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and firm believer that there is purpose to life. Take Spoilers. that. <laughs> Nihilist. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, I know spoilers, right? Oh, uh, well, cool. Well, you get a little preview, guys, today of that because, as he indicated, we are asking today the most philosophical of all philosophical philosophy questions what is the meaning of life? But first, Nathan, if people enjoy this show, what can they do to support the show and engage more with fellow overthinkers? Well, first, they can go to our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com, where you can read uh, some posts by us, uh, us about interesting things. You can also learn more about your hosts and get in touch with us about thoughts about the show, what you agreed, what you disagreed with. We also have an online community of over 2,000 people on the Facebook private group, The Overthinkers. We would love to have you there. We have an endless supply of conversations, memes, articles, and just fun stuff to look at and think about. And uh, we are continuing to talk about, we have a giveaway going right now. Uh, for anyone who wants to, to enter the giveaway, well, one, I'll tell you what we're giving away. We are giving away one DVD or book of your choice, any DVD or book of your choice, under $50. Um, <laughs> and all you have to do to enter is leave a written review on our show on our iTunes page and uh, be creative. We will be going through them and selecting a winner of this uh, one book and or DVD uh, under $50. And so we'd love to have you. It really does help us so much when we get reviews. And so it means so much if you do that. And we want to give back uh, to all you guys who have helped us so much in supporting this podcast. So please uh, leave us a, a written review. And um, wait, is there anything else? I think that should do it. Now it's on just, you know, the basic stuff like, you know, the meaning of life and you've come to the right place because we can answer this question. Exactly. It's been over thousands of years, people have been asking this question and we today have the answer for you. So we figured lucky it out. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, very cool. Yeah, there go. I'm just going to echo what Nathan said. It really helps us out when you leave a review and really love you guys being a part of our community. Um, the way the community has grown on the Facebook page and the viewers and the listeners. Boy, really, it's, it's been a really incredible experience to watch it grow and to be participating with all of you. So please join the Facebook group, leave us a review. And uh, yeah. All right. So the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? 42. This is a question that philosophers have debated for thousands of years from Aristotle on the human function, Aquinas on the beatific vision, Kant on the highest good, or the West Westminster Confessions chief end of man. However, according to the Stanford Encyclopedia for Philosophy and Dr. Ido Landau, author of Finding Meaning in the Imperfect World, it is only since the 1980s that the study of the meaning of life has become an independent study in of itself in philosophy. 
a study of the meaning of life is typically defined as a study of whether life has a purpose built into it that will be the source of our ultimate satisfaction, whether the universe has no built-in purpose that will satisfy us, and so we must invent our own purposes to satisfy ourselves. Ancient thinkers like Aristotle and Aquinas tended to see the world as having meaning built into it that you could discover through reason and revelation, whereas modern thinkers like theoretical physicists Lawrence M. Krauss and storytellers like Mark Harmon, creator of Rick and Morty and Community, shows like those, see the outer world as meaning but meaning could be created by humans through their desires and wills. So, Nathan, what is the meaning of life, and why do you think people have the need to find meaning and purpose in life? Well, I'm going to say just right off the bat that it's very interesting to me that we're even asking this question, and this mm. has been a question that has been asked of every great mind and in, in every person ever alive from the beginning of time, to me that indicates that we don't have questions or wants or needs that don't have fulfillment, at least in hmm. some way or form. So the very fact that we ask this, questions, uh, this question as humans indicates to me there is an answer. So if we're asking and desiring, I'll, I'll even say desiring, the most people you talk to desire and, yeah. and with finding uh, a meaning and purpose to life, that to me indicates that there is. Just the very, uh, the fact that we have and ask and hope there's an answer to this question means that there is. To me, uh, that yeah. seems great evidence. Um, if we're hungry, there exists food. If we're thirsty, there exists water. If we desire love, there exists um, people with whom we can love. And to me, it, it follows that if we desire meaning, that there probably is meaning. Now, getting getting down to, okay, well, what is it? That's a different question entirely. And it's yeah. interesting you brought up um, both old and new philosophers and people who have uh, attempted to answer this question in their own way. One of the most pervasive um uh, ideas uh, in the past little while, but you can also see its 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 um, appearance in old in old philosophy hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years ago. Is okay. There we can't figure out at least in an atheistic worldview we cannot figure out how to apply meaning to life. Right? If we're just a random happenstance of atoms and matter um, in an expanding universe, and we're just thrown into existence. Um, then there really can't be any ultimate meaning to any of this. And so we can't find any purpose to life, any meaning to life. Yeah. But it's interesting to watch people like Sam Harris and Lawrence Krauss and all these, uh, or even Dan Harmon, the, uh, the TV yeah. uh, creator. It's interesting to me that they still have this need to try to find a meaning. Same with yes. Nietzsche. Nietzsche was an atheist and he, he kind of came to the conclusion that there was no meaning behind life yet developed this whole um, uh, kind of understanding and context in his work about how to live with this and how to find your own meaning. Right. And so the, the desire for a meaningful life hasn't gone away. And very few people say, well, there is no meaning. Oh, well, it seems to me that all of the popular minds, the great minds, um, especially in the atheist worldview, tend to still look for it, even yeah. though in reality, there is no ultimate meaning because on an atheistic worldview, there is, uh, you know, we're just random matter, but it's interesting to see them still search and try to find it. And you have people like Sam Harris and Lawrence Krauss and, um, and all these different people. What they do is they say, okay, you can't find it in macro. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to find it because it is a need, right? Yes. It's a human need to have meaning. Okay. Since on our worldview, we can't justify it on the macro. We're going to on the micro. Yes. Okay. So we're going to lean in, you know, Nietzsche has said, become the Ubermensch, just become the best version of yourself you can. And, you know, I think that's admirable. Do yeah. become the best 
version of yourself. But to me, if I was an atheist, atheistic worldview, I would ask the question, why? No matter how <laughs> become, I'm going to die and disappear into oblivion. And, this, and that's kind of what I always want to ask when I hear Sam Harris talk about, well, the meaning we have in life is for human flourishment is what he talks yeah. about. We get our sense yeah. of morality. We don't have God. And so he kind of talks about, okay, we'll just find meaning in, in, um, you know, loving people and being yeah. nice to people, human flourishing. My question then is always, okay, which humans flourishing? Right. And so to me, all these micro attempts at meaning really end up falling flat. Um, the second you pull out from the micro, even a little bit yeah. and even on the, in the micro scale. Okay. So you find meaning in being nice to people or eating good food yeah. or, you know, um, uh, doing it, doing the work, becoming the Ubermensch, becoming the best person you right. can. But at the end of all of this, you die. Yeah. And so to me, it, the micro falls apart in light of eternity, in light of uh, our mortality. Yeah. Uh, so I will stop here and let you jump in because I didn't answer the question, what is the meaning of life? Wait. But I did what I think many people's view of meaning of life is right now. And I think it falls short. Sure. Okay, cool. So we'll sort of structure this this way where we talk about the idea of, of there being meaning of life in general and where we should look for it. And then we can both respond what we think the actual meaning of life is. That's a good, good. structure for, for that. Um, uh, I think you know, I think you make some excellent points. You know, you talk about the that I that I think is really good. I think people people do have a need for meaning of life. I mean, one thing um, uh, I think the author uh, uh, and that, that there's essentially if if people have this overwhelming pervasive need that is not particular to individuals, what seems to be a species wide need, it does indicate that there is something like that 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 does need to exist. I mean, Alan uh, Disanyaki, who wrote the book, What is Art For? She sort of talked about as an anthropologist, you assume that human creatures don't develop or creatures don't develop or evolve because they don't survive. You know, if you take the survival of the fittest philosophy, things that exist and survive exist the way they do because they survived. So it's like if we have developed that need for something Something like that for art, for stories, for meaning, then we wouldn't have developed that if it wasn't actually something that was a necessary for human flourishing. I'll even go further and say that, you know, mean, when we talk about meaning and what meaning is, which again is a whole discipline of philosophy. So like there's gonna be a bunch of people, hopefully we have philosophy people in the comments go like, that's the wrong way to define meaning, but I'm gonna do it anyway. But um, but is that we talk about meaning, it's it's anything that's really something's meaningful if it's intentionally arranged in such a way to express or achieve some um, value or purpose. So, you know, mm. we look at the sky and we can tell what's a cloud and what's sky riding because, you know, uh, the cloud is a shape, but it's not an intentionally arranged shape to express a value or meaning. But if we see in skywriting, you know, Susan, will you marry me? That's something that's been intentionally arranged to express a desire, to express and, and achieve a purpose. And so just where people ask, okay, is there meaning in life? This core question they're asking is, is life one where, you know, is it more like clouds or is it more like skywriting? And you can see that again, like, the human brain is really not capable of not creating meaning in its mind in the world. I mean, you go like extreme autistic uh, symptoms include not being able to differentiate, you know, to, to hear and see and experience a touch, a sound over way in the distance with the same intensity that you do, um, you know, something that's that's more important that's like someone touching you 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 feel you know you hear and see sounds and experiences and so like you know the human mind in when it's functioning well 
um, has to say these details are important and these details are not important. You know, this part of my past, I'm going to forget. And this part I'm going to remember. And we do that basically creating a story of what things are important and what things are not. And, and, you know, even again, watching movies, we like to watch movies as most people do. And when you watch a movie, these are still images that you're connecting into a, a story and into things. And so really the human mind is not capable of not uh, deciding what things it's going to value, what things it's not going to value, what things it's going to forget, what things it's going to remember. The question is, what things are we going to choose to say this is actually important to focus on, and this is important not to focus on? You know, the uh, the, what are what are our options? What should we then value? What should we pursue? Because again, people are not good multitaskers. We have to choose what things are important. We can't be all things. We have to choose one person to marry, one skill to invest in. And so, what are those things going to do? So again, you look at all these people, these modern theorists and philosophers, and none of them say you can be all things. They say, no, you have to choose something. You have to choose what story you're going to tell about your life. You're going to have to choose what things you're going to focus on, your things, what things you're going to remember and what's important. But they say that you create that for yourself. The problem is, and you kind of touched on this, is that our ability to choose what that meaning is, is so freaking limited because reality has a voice. You know, again, like the joke is like, you know, like some people, you know, it's like people, short people always use this. Like, I'm not going to be a basketball player. Reality has decided that for me, that like, I'm not going to get to choose that, you know, and my, yes, exactly. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) right, exactly. So it's like, you know, reality has a voice in terms of the kinds of meaning your story you're going to decide for your life. And so any meaning of your life has got to to a certain degree take reality into account. And honestly, reality is going to have the strongest voice in what sort of meaning you're going to be able to pick in your life. So this sort of gets sort of where I think we're both of us sort of headed is that, you know, again, both of us are very openly Christians and we think that, um, that even more than just reality. To a certain degree, even more than just reality having a voice as to what the story of your life is going to be, what message are you going to write in the sky of life, even more than just reality, the author of reality is probably going to have the strongest voice, if there is one, um, in what's, what you're going to write in the sky of your life, so to speak. Anyway, so I'll let you w- w- uh, get, get to, to, to that because I know you is to elaborate on that what you think about the meaning of life based on sort of now we've both gotten to reality has the stronger voice we both agree on that where do you think it goes from there well you touched on a couple things I want to hit real quick and you know early on I said you know one of the best evidences for there actually being an ultimate meaning in life is that we have this desire for meaning life yeah and you brought up stories and that's something that actually a lot of the people who don't believe there is a macro um, meaning to life, uh, talk about, well, what kind of story are you going to tell mm. with your life? Do you know, Nietzsche, you talk about the Ubermensch. Are you going to be the Superman yeah. of your story? Um, which is really an interesting concept to me. And it also underlines this reality that humans are story oriented creatures. Yeah. You know, one of the industries in the world is the entertainment industry. Yes. You see that movies fail or succeed based on their ability to tell a story. Well, yeah. and so humans have this intrinsic knowledge of what a good story is is and that we also have this intrinsic obsession with stories we want stories to be told we want to be involved in good stories and that to me is such an evidence um that good stories are a part of being human yeah 
So, uh, and, and that leads me to believe that we were, we were designed with the intention of leading the good story. And it's hard for me to imagine that we were, we were designed to tell a good story that means nothing ultimately. And so, you know, a lot of times I say the, the, um, to me, the most mentally congruent and honest atheists are the absurdists who say nothing means anything, no matter what we do. Don't even suggest you try to find meaning. They suggest you try to actually uh, don't and stop wanting because that's getting in your way of just living life and kind of being um, hedonistic. Just enjoy all the the physical pleasures before you go out. Um, So it's interesting to me that humans are story-oriented creatures. And Donald Miller, who was the author of Blue Like Jazz, and he also has an interesting mm. book coming about the hero of the story. Um, I can't remember the, quite the title, but I'm going to read it and I'll tell you guys what I think, um, which is about the four archetypes of different heroes and purpose and all that. And um, he has an interesting chapter in his book, Blue Like Jazz, where he talks about um, he kind of talks about what we're talking about, how we all have this desire for story to lead a good life, to lead something that, that's a natural human inclination. But he said that Christianity or religion in general, I'll say religion is the only thing that offers a completion of that story, an ending, a fulfillment of the story or every other um, worldview or atheistic worldview at the very least says, yeah, live a story. And then it stops and it means yeah. nothing. And Christianity says, no, you don't just live a story just so you can it distract yourself from the from the reality that we're all just going to disappear into oblivion. You live a good story because there is a completion, because it will matter, because there's an ending and a fulfillment to this desire to live a story. And I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. And I also think it's a really necessary for one, one for humans to even um, live and engage with and want to have purpose and meaning in their lives to, to find a fulfillment to it. Because I've seen a lot of people try to live with purpose while not believing in God or an ultimate uh, eternity and that kind of thing. And ultimately, they get tired because they really know at the end of it, it won't mean anything. And what every good story, we know this, what every good story needs, what every good movie, what every good book, what every t- good TV show needs is a, as a fulfillment, as an ending, yeah. is a good. And that's what I think uh, Christianity and religion in general offers. And so I start there with what the meaning of life is. I start on the assumption, and yeah, it is an assumption. I can't prove this to you, but I do start on the assumption that I have this desire for meaning wired into me and that ultimately it needs to mean something so that life, I, I can't just do the, the, the micro. I wish I could, but ultimately I'll always have in the back of my head, well, it won't mean anything in the end. So I guess when it comes to answering uh, the question of what's the meaning of life, I have to go out on a limb and I have to say, I have to maneuver from the position of, I believe in a creator and I believe in a creator has designed this with meaning. And so ultimately that's where I start. And I have to start taking the steps from there. God created the world and nothing is created without purpose. Um, So if the world is here, if I'm here, then I have a purpose. And so, you know, there's a million ways to go in this and overcomplicate it. But what I will ultimately say is the ultimate meaning and purpose first has to be a connection with your creator because you're never going to find out why you're here, what you're doing or what you're supposed to do or what the meaning of your existence is unless you are in connection with the creator of yourself and existence on a whole. So I'm going to start here and say um, the first thing we must do 
if you want to find meaning. And I know it's an assumption, but you have to start on the belief in the assumption that there is a creator and you must be in contact with that creator so you can begin the journey of discovering what the meaning of your life is. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, I think you've, you brought up a lot of really interesting points to sort of to, to build out the analogy a little bit because you, you made the point that of completion, the need of completion. And one of the big parts, sort of one of the things about, you know, reality having a voice is that like, if you decide to make my meaning and purpose of life, you know, uh, X career or X, you know, family or whatever, there's a big chance, even if there's a big chance you will die before you get to do those things, you know, because eventually you die. So there's, you don't have control over when you die. And ultimately you're right you know, uh, you do die. And so that puts an end to uh, the end to whatever project that you started out with. Again, if, if all of life, if all of existence is clouds, but you can write something in the sky, okay, the, the meaninglessness eventually envelops the meaning because and meaninglessness is what surrounds is bigger than surrounds meaning and so if you're writing you can write a poem of your life but if the writing of your poem isn't inside a bigger poem eventually your poem is going to be incomplete eventually you're you know it's that's the chaos is going to subsume the order that you could create out of it um however you want to talk about that your story is not going to have an ending one of the things I think is really interesting, and so the, the advantage of seeing yourself as with as as a storyteller within another story is that you know that even when you die, your project is going to continue in other somebody else's hands. Again, this is sort of why you know um, people again talk about. Uh, it, when religion starts to die, the Nazis talked a lot about, okay, they're atheistic, but our sur- eternity exists through our children. And so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. eternity exists through the race because they're like, we still need to be part of a project that exists beyond us because we're going to die. And so I think that, you know, I, I, it, one of the things you think is, I think is really interesting is most of the people who create sort of atheist story myths about the cosmos, like, you know, you have uh, Dan Harmon who does, you know, who uh, does Rick uh, and Morty. What is my purpose? You pass butter. Oh my God. Yeah, welcome to the club, pal. And um, uh, the creator, uh, uh, Steve Moffat and others who did Doctor Who, is most of those myths that they create to show how can you have meaning in a world where there's no creator and everything dies. Is That's they the- make- Many of the show. Just the center of those stories is always one eternal omnipotent being. Either Rick, who, you know, again, has been at the beginning and the end of the universe. And so therefore he can tell what the story of the life is and he can value things. Um, and so he can tell the story of life and he can value things and they can be valuable. Again, you have people like, you know, the doctor in Doctor Who who says, we're all stories in the end and says things like, you know, what's the point of being happy now if we're going to be sad later? Well, the reason is because we're going to be sad later, but, and he can say things like, uh, you know, thousands of years in time and space. And I've never met anyone who's not important, but he can say that because he's a basically eternal being. And so almost in- it's almost kind of importing a God figure. Exactly. You need a God figure in order to give importance to a meaningless world. And what oh, I think, is, wow. so that's, again, you think of these, again, these are the atheist people who are creating these stories and this is what they, 
have and can do and what they choose to do with it to create a meaningful universe right god in their stories exactly god so so again so like i of course they're okay what's meaning what is what do i find the meaning and purpose of life to be so first of all again it's to be a part of a project that's going to last beyond me and even beyond humanity because again because if the sun goes out eventually again no matter what you do and the ghost story does this sort of in a good way somebody says look let's say you know, you, you know, whatever we do, whatever project we create, eventually the sun is going to die and all is going to be erased. And so, mm. um, and so, you know, my mom would always say, a, a, let me see, a thing of beauty is only a joy forever if there's somebody around to experience it. And so if you say I'm a part of a project that has the eternal significance of being it's part of God's project, then it means no matter what I do, it can be a part of the project that God is doing. So anyway, I sort of say, this is the way I formulate it. I talk about, you can do a lot of things that Christians do, say, you know, the Westminster Confession, what is the mean, chief end of man? It's to um, glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the idea is, of course, you know, if we are beings who are going to be resurrected, we can have a relationship with God that lasts forever. You know, St. Augustine says, love God and do as you please. Um, and it's interesting you bring up this idea of work because I started with the yes, concept yeah. of, you know, knowing your creator and from that uh, knowledge. And, and I would add knowing and adoring your creator, yes. love, relationship with. And out of that relationship of love, you find meaning. And you brought in that uh, one of the most crucial aspects to finding meaning is having a work. And this yes. is what philosopher would yes. agree with most of what even the ones we're talking about you know again Nietzsche talked about having to work in life you need yeah. to um and he was actually scared of the modern world he said yes. I don't believe in God but I am really scared about the modern world stopping believing in God because once we don't have that work that common thread that goodness that that orienting figure then we're going to go to shreds and he called the modern man and we see very much of what he predicted about the modern man um being like is very much what we're like now but again you you talked about the work and it's interesting that when Jesus came, he first offered everyone a relationship with him, right? He offered a come and have a relationship with your creator. And then you see him when he begins his work, offering a work to a story to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And you can be a part of building this because he knew that humans needed to be a part of building something, a part of a story that was moving forward. And like you said, it's some one that wasn't just going to end in oblivion, but continue on to eternity. And this, so it's interesting to see that um, Jesus kind of summed up what the philosophy of meaning of life is. Know me slash your creator. Yeah. And then from that, join me in this work that will carry on forever. And like you said, Augustine said, love God and do what you will not know God and do what you will love God. And from that love, you can enter in to an eternally significant work. Yeah. And I think that's so important for the human mind and heart to grasp because it's the only ultimately fulfilling thing I've ever seen. Everything else ends in oblivion, but with Jesus, he offers us a chance not only to know our creator, but to enter in an eternally significant work that will last into eternity. And yes. so I think that's a beautiful thing that I think humans that can ultimately fulfill the human longing for yeah. meaning. And unfortunately, so many of the philosophers we talked about today have basically said the same thing, but just to ignore that we're all going to die in oblivion. And Jesus says, no, I have something better. And that's what I love about my faith. And I love about religions that offers you an eternally significant work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. No, the, the that's the thing is that, um, is, what was it? Um, Dr. I, was it was it Dr. Ida? My reference at the beginning. Uh, Dr. Ida Landau talks a lot about sort of meanings of life and what where people find 
meaning. And, and one of the big things is that people find meaning where um, they have uh, significant relationships that exist across time and work that feels um, that that will exist across time. And the thing is, when you have, you know, and you can do that, you can have that by, you know, having families, by having friends that exist across time and by having work that you can see the results of across mm-hmm. time. Now, one of the things, again, you see, you see this um, escalation of burnout in our culture, which is not the same thing as exhaustion, because burnout, I think is an American Psychological Association says this, that burnout is being exhausted, feeling like your work is not meaningful. And the thing is, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that in a society that feels, again, is losing its religion, losing my religion. We are having work. Our work doesn't seem like it's as meaningful because, again, we're going to die. What we do doesn't have lasting significance. And that's the thing is, when you become religious, particularly a Christian, when Jesus is significant, you point this out, Jesus's main arc, you can argue, people have argued in his um speeches was the kingdom of heaven and part of what he did is he first gives us relation with him which is an eternal relationship so therefore it has significance this is what you can say okay this is the priority and then also gives the hope of resurrection with others so it means our relationship with others have eternal significance and then he gives work building the kingdom of heaven which has eternal significance and then we need to I, was gonna say, I can hear the our atheist listeners yes. saying, well, yeah, that sounds great, but it's just wishful thinking. Of yes. course, I wish that was true, but it's not. And again, I want to return to the idea and, and some of the evidence, is, this might be thin evidence for you. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's really um, meaningful evidence. The fact that you want it, I yeah. believe matters. I, I think I would say, I would say I go even further. The fact that you need it, the fact ah. that you're not capable of structuring your yeah. thoughts about the world without it, and that for some reason the world forces you to be like that in order to survive and flourish, to me says that it is more reasonable to believe that that's the kind of universe that we live in that would force us to find meaning in order to flourish in the world. I say yes. it's less sensible to think that and you know uh, this is a very c.s lewis surprised by joy you know argument but it is what it is it's not a bad argument um that if you are going to question that aspect of your ability to understand reality you don't really have a good reason to trust anything that your mind says about reality um uh, so so that would be my argument is at least consider that um you that reality does is meaningful because it forces you to find meaning in it regardless of your choice even if it's not true i believe it to be more practical kind of like Nietzsche and because even if if it's if it's total bunk and joseph and i are just ridiculous and we're just you know believing in fantasy that's fine but the belief having and holding the belief that what you do here matters not just until you turn into oblivion but eternally that the work you do here that the relationships you forge are actually have eternal ramifications that you can begin this work now just believing that will put every decision you make in the context of eternity and i think if you don't believe that you will either have to ignore or face the reality that whatever you do here doesn't really matter and what i've seen due to a lot of people is they come 
come to that conclusion. You know what? I can import all this micro meaning and try to give my life meaning until I die, but ultimately it doesn't matter. So I'm going to do what I want. And we've seen what happens when people just do what they want. It goes really badly for both us and them. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like maybe that kind of philosophy is really, it's, it's kind of like dating apps, which make you think you have more options than you've got. Uh, Whereas like, it's, it's really not one that can be sustained for long-term. Anyway, but, but that's uh, any, I think that that's, yeah, I think I would, I would consider, consider the idea that I would, would, that um, I I would advise people consider the idea that a life is better and more reasonable and more practical when it has meaning. So it's like acting as if it has meaning is better, more reasonable, more practical. And eternal um, ramifications. And it's your ramifications for that. Eternally meaningful and not yes. just temporarily. Um, locally. Locally. Um, that would be the more But, and that's where I would say is at least consider and seek out that possibility that that is true. That would be what I would like. Because you will have a happier life scientifically, I would say. And you will probably be closer to the truth. Al, you want to give us anything to wrap up? Oh, I'm just going to add, I'll let C.S. Lewis wrap us up with Mm. uh, the end of Last Battle. Uh, Mm. He gets there... They they find themselves on the other side of eternity, and they find and they are all repeating this thing as they run further and further and further into a paradise. And it's not the stagnant we just arrived; mm. it's the deep human need that we have to pursue and discover and find and grow. And the thing that they find with the eternity, as they running further and further in, is further up and farther in. Mm. So I think that's a beautiful way to end it. And I just want to give anyone listening that there is hope. I hope you might um, hear some of the things we said, even if you disagree with us that there's hope for going further up and farther in and that there's ultimately um eternal meaning to your life yeah you gotta do what i gotta believe awesome so on that note we're going to move over to blesses and curses of the week where we are going to discuss uh uh works of art and media and stuff that deal with this topic that deal with this topic we think deal with this topic well or badly and bless the ones that do it well and curse the ones that do it badly so know that this is at least the favorite segment of some uh, of our fans so uh, nathan uh, you are prepared this week so uh what are some of your uh, do you want to start us off with the uh, blessings and curses Today, I want you to go first, Joseph. We're starting a new year. We're going to try something new. I want you to go first so I can. New year, new order for blessings and curses. Cool. Yeah, yeah, let's see it. All right, cool. So I am going to bless uh, a couple of of movies and then a book. I'm going to first, um, well, first, I'm going to bless the book. Um, We've, this is blessed on the show before, but uh, Walking on Water by mm, uh yeah. by uh, madeline langle and one of the things i she talks about in there that i think is really helpful for me in terms of thinking about meaning uh and how an artist's job partly is to to discover and portray meaning she talks about the artist's job as creating cosmos out of chaos and mm. that is sort of the job as humans that we do is that we look at the unlimited almost unlimited data and information coming at us and we find a way to say these are the things that are worth focusing on and arranging and saying that this causes this and this is related to this and this is what we should then do. And I think that that as an artist has been really meaningful in helping me understand my work, but also as a human in understanding what uh, my job is as uh, to discerning 
the cosmos out of the chaos. Uh, that's very, I feel very seen where I say, yes, that's what my, as a human, I have to do is discern the cosmos and then be part of creating cosmos out of chaos. So I think that that's, I'm blessing that book for that reason. Um, then for movies, I'm going to do a couple. Um, one is I'm going to uh, bless um, Signs by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, which is a, a favorite movie of mine. Um, but one of the things I think it does a good job of doing is showing a person who sees life as not being very meaningful, um, but then seeing how the pieces of life that didn't seem to be related to each other, that seemed to be just... Um, meaningless expressions of pain actually were a part of a story because that's another thing about meaning is that when you have only happiness but don't have meaning then the happy moments are happy but the painful moments are painful but when you have a life that's meaningful then even the painful and sad moments of life have a satisfactory aspect to them because they're a part of the story that is joyful and so i think that that movie does a good job of portraying and showing it that and uh, how people can look at the same thing and see something meaningful and not meaningful and how you can go from one to the other so i think that's really good i'm also going to bless um, i'm going to you know briefly bless the shows that i that i talked about before rick and morty and doctor who because i think those are the best explorations of meaningful lives outside of external world having meaning. I think if you want to see and explore those ideas, I think that the Rick and Morty and Dr. do the best job of that. And then because you brought up sort of the need for conclusion, uh, without spoiling things, I am going to bless uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Don't um, say anything yet. All right. And as, the reason is because I think it does a really good job. And the, again, notice the fact that it, the movie made a billion dollars in 11 days, which is mm. something which is something that very few movies do at all in the middle of, you know, a, a pandemic scares. It was something and it did that primarily by satisfying people's needs for closure and meaning and random meaningless events to be ultimately meaningful. And I'll say it there for leave it there for anyone who has not seen it. But I think that that is the reason it made so much money and is so popular and beloved by so many people is because it does that thing that we see that human beings need, which shows that human beings need it. So I'll leave that there. Uh, curses, <clears throat> things that did not do well uh, grapple with the idea of meaning. Um, I would say is, let's see, um, I would say something, anything. I know that there are people who've never heard of this, and then there are the people who will be offended that I include it in this. <laughs> but it's basically, I'll say, oh, well, here's the thing. I'll say I'm going to put together um, something, anything, and eat, pray, love. Because basically something, anything is just a spiritual version of eat, pray, love, which is saying life doesn't, though you find the meaning of life by being your most selfish self, by mm. saying the that um having relationships with others being part of a larger project being part of you know whatever else doesn't actually give life meaning what gives life meaning is if you create your own meaning by being selfish and that's and the thing is you know you pray a lot of people are really good at making fun of for that but something anything basically just makes it more spiritual and art house and people are like oh yeah this is so beautiful it's like no this is the same thing this is this is this is the same thing so that's that's going to be uh that's that's where i'm going to put my curse this time those are good um i tend to agree with you 
So my blessings and curses are going to be, I'm going to start, uh, man, this is so, I'm going to go real cliche today, but I feel like it's okay. Do it. So I, earlier, I wasn't going to do this, but I would read the book Blue Like Jazz. There's great insights into the search for meaning, the relationship with God, especially for someone who um, maybe isn't as acquainted with God and religion and all these philosophical understandings. I think it's a great place to start. And it's written from a story point of view, a memoir-esque of a, a young man searching for these things. And I really, it, it was very formative to me in my young years. Blue Like Jazz is a fantastic book. And he talks about this desire and need for meaning. And he talks about what Christianity and just a belief in God can offer to that desire. Um, I'm also going to bless me with Christianity. Again, it's so cliche. I get it. But there's a reason it's cliche because it's good. And yep. I'm mostly blessing me with Christianity. One, it gives a great evidence as to why this is something you talked about the practical and the um, most realistic. It gives a great evidence for why this is um, the way to find meaning in your life. But also there's a fantastic quote and then I'm going to mess it up. I'm not going to make it exactly right. But it, uh, he, he says, if you find within, C.S. Lewis says, if you find within yourself a desire that nothing in this earth can satisfy, um, th- essentially that, that could lead you to wonder or believe that you were made for another place. And so th- that again goes to that heart of we have this built-in desire and nothing in this world can satisfy. Maybe we were made for eternity. And I, I just think it's a beautiful quote and it's really meaningful. And the book extrapolating out from that can be a really big help to people searching and maybe looking in a new place for what the meaning of life might be. I think it's a great place to start. I'm also going to bless a book by a equally intelligent and influential um, thinker in my life, but he's really unknown. His name is Father Gisani. Mm. He was a he was a cardinal um, and he wrote about desire and he wrote a book called The Religious Sense where he explores the idea of desire. He spoke a little bit uh, about today in, in relation to the meaning of life and this desire was placed inside you for good and it's ultimately meant to be um, uh, fulfilled. And he talks about how very often the religious look at desire as something bad. And, and even C.S. Lewis talked about this. Um, he said, we're playing in mud puddles when we're next to the sea. And so um, Dasani talks about how desire, any desire, whether it's for something we consider good or socially bad, that desire is ultimately at the bottom of that desire is God uh, ready to fulfill that the desire that he he wove inside of us. So the religious sense is a great place to start. He's an amazing philosopher and theologian. Please check him out. Um, yeah, I think those are my blesses. So I, I want to go with books today. And I think those are great places to start if this is something that you want to investigate more. And maybe you've only heard one side of the story and you want to try uh, a different side of the story. Maybe you will totally um, think it's all bunk, but at least give it a shot. And I think these are great books to, to start with. Um, in addition to the one uh, Joseph um, uh, blessed, uh, um, uh, walking on water. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to curse a few easy ones today. I'm going to start with Eckhart Tolle. I'm sorry, dude. Um, I just find all of your explanations for the meaning of life pretty thin and uh, wishful thinking. And uh, again, they seem to be things that people um, want to be true um, uh, who don't believe in God. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, so Eckhart Tolle in his A New Earth, I haven't read it, just bits and pieces, uh, but he he talks about to enjoy life, um, you should just live only in this moment. Never ever think ahead, never ever think behind. And that's great. I hope you can do that. I cannot. And I have found that almost every human I've ever met has an inability to live only in the moment. And I wish that were true. You know, if there isn't a God, great. Try to live only in this moment, enjoy earthly pleasures. But I just don't think that's realistic. Everybody I know is either, either lamenting something from the past or hoping something for the future. And I think this is a 
really shallow and unrealistic way to give humans an understanding of how they might find happiness on this earth. And I think it would be ultimately disappointing if you try to live only in this moment. Good luck, though. You know, more power to you. I am not able. I'm not strong enough. Um, I'm going to uh, follow that up with, I'm sorry, Sam. Uh, listen, I've listened to a lot of your talks. I've read your stuff. Sam Harris, you are a smart guy. I do believe that. You're incredibly intelligent. I would love to sit down or have you on the podcast. But I got to say, your book, End of Faith, oh, man, it, it's it's just kind of the more intellectual version of Eckhart Tolle. You and you, it, it, back to this moment thing. And I, it's, a, it's an obsession with living only in the moment. And that's great if anyone could do that, but I find it total fantasy because if you've ever looked at anything to do with humanity and how we work, that is not possible. It is not plausible. And really, even more than just it not being possible, I think it is um, asking people to ignore the reality that lives uh, within them if there is no God and no meaning to life. And I think you can only ignore something for so long. And I think eventually you're going to have to grapple with, if you don't believe in God, with the reality that you mean nothing. You might mean something in the micro, but you mean nothing. And so you can you can try to live only in this moment, in this micro moment, but I don't think that's realistic for humans. So I, I listen, man, I, I got to gotta curse your book. I'm sorry, but we can talk about it. Come on the podcast. Um, and then, you know, I'll be fair and I'll, uh, I'll dole out some criticism for fellow Christians. Um, Good. The Power of Favor by Joel Osteen. I don't mean to offend. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Well, I don't know, but I'm not going to attack his character. And I also want you to notice that Joseph and I are very careful not to attack people's character. Right. The person. We attack their ideas and work because we don't know these people. And even if we did, I bet we'd like them in many cases. Um, but I will. So I'm not going to attack Joel Osteen or Sam Harris or Eckhart Tolle as people, but I will attack their books. And listen, Joel, um, The Power of Favor is, I think, a disservice to religion and faith and basically said you could have all your needs met here, which is, again, he's kind of borrowing from the momentary happiness of Eckhart Tolle and Sam Harris and these other philosophers. And it seems to me um, that everything in scripture said it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And I, I don't think that looking at God as a vending machine who just wants to give you stuff all the time uh, is a healthy view. I think that God gives us himself. And I think that's a very different thing. And unfortunately, the power of favor kind of messaging has infiltrated and really affected negatively a lot of people um, who hear this and they believe that God is a vending machine that can get stuff and if they'll, they're blessed if they get lots of cars and, and financial stuff and don't get sick and they must be cursed if they're not. And I think that's a total bastardization of um, scripture, of reality and of God. So I got to curse, sorry, Joel, the power of favor. And again, you are welcome to come on the podcast. We would love to have a conversation with you. And even if we don't agree, you will be respected. And uh, while you're disagreed with, <laughs> yes. so uh, those are my blessings and curses. Please let us know what yeah. you thought of our blessings. If we got it wrong, if we are totally off, send us a message. We get messages all the time for people who disagree with us or agree with us. And we love it. We want to hear your feedback. You can also give your feedback on the Overthinkers private Facebook page. We'd love to have you there and a part of the discussions because, hey, we think we're right, but we could always be wrong. So we want to hear your opinion. Um, but thank you so much for joining today. Uh, if you want to get in touch more with the Overthinkers, please, again, have to thinkersjournal.com. Find out more about your host, what we do. And also remember, we are running a giveaway through the end of January, a book or a DVD of your choice under $50. Um, and all you have to do is leave us a really creative written review and we will be um, announcing the winner um, 
uh, in the beginning of February. So please leave us a review so you might get some free stuff. That's always fun. And also, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, just search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials or go to my website at nathanclarkson.me. Joseph? You want to find me on any of the socials, go to just find Joseph Holmes. You can also go to josephholmesstudios.com and you can find my work at Religion Unplugged where I write reviews of faith-based films or religious perspective on uh, mainstream films. Awesome. Thank you everyone so much for joining this big philosophy episode of our first big philosophy episode of our year. Been a while since we've done this. This is a lot of fun. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. So long, and thanks for all the fish.